0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at quiz.fox. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I'm so glad you're with us. The podcast that will have you feeling at the end. Hey if he could do it or she could do it, why can't I? I'm going to introduce you to somebody who is perfect for this time of year, especially right now. You know, October is known as the October surprise in the stock markets. and Of course, because I anchor the claim and Countdown, we talk about business all the time. One of the greatest mysteries of success in the stock market has kind of always been how do the super traders, the market wizards who just seem to have this innate sense of when and what to buy and then when to pull the plug and sell, how do they do it? If you think that secret society is open, I don't know, only to the ultra-brilliant or the Ivy League-educated quantum physics types, I am about to introduce you to someone who will blow away all those notions and more and will leave you thinking, if he could do it, so can I. Larry Height was a blind, dyslexic kid growing up in Brooklyn who, at an early age, got very used to failure, quite frankly, at a lot of things other people could do. He tried, but couldn't. So how did he become a super trader, running the first investment fund to reach a billion in assets? Larry Height, founder of Mint Asset Management, is about to tell us. Welcome, Larry. Thank you. Thanks for joining Everyone Talks to Liz. You know, your childhood to me is so compelling and I want people to start knowing about that before they get to how you found the secrets to market trading because that way they see what you overcame. What was your childhood like growing up in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn?
1: I had lovely parents who loved me and that was a big advantage. But everything that a kid could do from the time they walk to the time they graduated high school, I would fail at any when you're lining up people for baseball. I would be the last child anybody would pick
0: because you're blind in one because eye. Because I'm
1: blind and I'm dyslexic, and those are not very good for ball sports. And ball sports is what they played in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Stickball. Exactly. Are you from Brooklyn? (laughs) I'm
0: from Beverly Hills. Very similar. Not. Um, But I, of course, have read a lot about, you know, the early days of Brooklyn and the the Jewish neighborhoods and and the Catholic and the Irish and, you know, all of the Italian neighborhoods, they were all playing stickball. It was a common thread. But growing up, that part of you would have perhaps broken a lot of people. How was it that it didn't break your spirit?
1: Well... I said, my parents loved me. But more, and I was aware of that love. Two, when you fall, the only thing you can do is get up. You, you, that's the, you have no choice. You,
0: you really just, have no choice. You have to get up. And so you did. Um. Oh, I know. It was... It was probably an interesting time, I would think. Let me start that again. It was probably such an interesting time growing up in Brooklyn. You went to James Madison High School, which, by the way, was the same high school attended Mm. to by Bernie Sanders, Carol King, the singer, Chuck Schumer, the senator, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court uh, chief. uh, Sorry, one of the justices. But at James Madison High School, how dark did your days get?
1: That's a really good question. I was very depressed because everything that a kid should do, I couldn't do. I wasn't good in school. I wasn't good at sports. I couldn't see. When everybody else can see and you can't see, you begin to wonder what's wrong with you,
0: but also the dyslexia that at the time was undiagnosed. Because what year was this? Oh,
1: I would say those years fifties, and okay. there, and there was
0: no dyslexia. Right. They they didn't know what it was. Right. And, you know, you tell a story in the book. The rule which is coming out now called How I Beat the Odds in the Markets and in Life and How You Can Too, you tell the story of taking a written aptitude test and bombing it. But then the educator who was administering it said, now, wait a minute. Let me give you the test orally. What happened when he gave you that test orally?
1: Well, then I flew through the test. And what happened was First of all, it became a math problem. There were five answers. Uh, I have always, because of my poor vision, love multiple multiple choice questions because what they do is you can change the odds because if you if you read the question, you know two of the answers don't fit the questions, so. You can get rid of two answers, which means you've now increase your odds of winning. Mm-hmm. Instead of one out of five, you're looking at a
0: one out of three. And you did wonderfully when he gave you that, that oral test. But, you know, that same guy you write in the book said, look, you're really smart. You should know that. But I can't help you. I don't have the time. You then had to get past, I guess, the gatekeepers and bureaucracy merchants of life, one of whom stood right there and said, I can't really help you, I don't have the time. How did you do that? Tell people, because there are people in life who stand in your way, my way, everybody's way, for no reason. How do you get past them?
1: You don't care. Look, my father said to me, I don't care what your grades are. You're going to have to make money. You're going to have to support myself, your mother, and your grandparents.
0: No pressure there.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, you're the only son, so you're going to do it. You're going to do it because you
0: have to do it. After a few businesses, because you did try a few that kind of flamed out, again, more failures, you found commodities trading. And I want to start with the lessons that you have now that you impart to people about trading. And the first one is, you got to be in it to win it. In essence, you'll never find yourself in the winner's circle if you don't get in the game.
1: Correct. If you don't bet, you can't win. And if you lose all your chips you won't be able to bet. So not only do you have to get in the game, but you might make sure that you won't be destroyed by the game.
0: Okay, but when you say that, Larry, I'm thinking this is all based on having an uncanny ability to predict the future.
1: Yeah, you could say it that way, or you could say it as desperation. My father was not buying any alibis. They wanted their son to do well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my my father's idea was that I would fund his retirement.
0: <laughs> I like that idea.
1: <laughs> and that and that was that was every Jewish kid in Brooklyn had that. An Italian. All the people I knew.
0: Take care of your parents. Yeah. They took care of you. <laughs> exactly. But your investing success, because you ended up having the first hedge fund in history to get a billion in assets, Uh, it came in part by following trends. Explain.
1: You know, know, when they talk about companies, there's always a story. People love stories, But story, every story is a bit of a myth, right? So I wanted to rely on what wasn't a myth, but what was a fact. I could get a whole of data going to the public library of prices. And I could see how people reacted to prices going up and going down. And so I stuck for the reality of what crowds do. And that was real.
0: And you saw that when the crowd or the herd is moving and piling in, you go along for the ride?
1: Yeah, for sure. This is not a game of heroics. This is a game of cunning. And you want to be, you want to make life easy for yourself. This is not figure skating, where you get, uh, because I have two daughters, I watched figure skating when they were young. And there was always a, you know, we if you did a triple lux, you got more points just for attempting. Well, that's not the way investing works. You get no points. You get no payoff for trying. You only get paying, payoff for winning. And my... I had to win to make money, to support
0: my family, to f- support myself. And and the way you found out how to win was to catch the wave, I guess. A snag the star that was already rising, a right. stock that had momentum moving to the upside, and get out before you lost everything that you had gained. Yeah, but, but that
1: was very simple to do once you understood it. Because what I did was have... Not only me, but I had a trailing stop. So I did not leave anything to chance.
0: Explain to people who don't know what a trailing stop is what that is.
1: Let's say you bought something at $10. 10 And then it goes to $15. Mm-hmm. All right. How much, when are you going to say is wrong? We well, got to pick a point in on the curve where you say, I will not lose. Any money,
0: more money than this. Okay, and so you put in a you put in a, a stop loss uh, for right. what, fourteen or something. Right. Or
1: and it's a trailing stop.
0: What is okay, trailing?
1: Every day when the market moves, it moves the stop moves with it. So it's your insurance. Now it's not gonna exactly but it's gonna come very close. And that trailing stop has made me more money. The other thing that's made me a lot of money is I put more money in my winners. I add to my winners.
0: Even as they get more expensive. Yes, because they're moving in that direction. You made your first killing by following the trend on coffee futures. Now, what did you know from coffee? Well,
1: I found, first of all, I read a complete history of coffee. Coffee is grown in a very narrow part of the world. And it's basically an unstable part of the world because there's frosts, revolutions. Go look at where, where coffee comes from. So I knew that coffee could get very scarce. And the price then goes up. And the, well, yeah. I, I the price is my guide. It's like my friend. It's like Tonto and the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and Tonto's are always a lot smarter than, than the Lone Ranger. Tonto says no, don't go that way, go that way. And as soon as I start to lose money, time says, get
0: out. Now, how much did you make on that trade back in the day?
1: I think I made a million dollars, which was incredible for me, from somebody from my background. I don't think I had anybody in Brooklyn, where I lived, who actually had a million dollars.
0: And you got it. Yeah. A blind kid who was dyslexic. What happens when you see a trend reverse incredibly quickly? Is it that the trailing stop will make sure that you don't lose? Because you can, any, by the way, anybody can do this on TD Ameritrade or Schwab. You just make it part of your trade.
1: Right. First of all, the day I start the trade, being long or short, I put in that stop. And that stop never moves. It only moves against me or with me. It is my safety.
0: Do you do it based on percentage loss or percentage, percentage, not financial uh, loss?
1: No, percentage of my core capital. How much am I willing to risk
0: for that? you look at the odds of winning through a prism that many people have never heard explained the way you do, and and one of those is that you say one big bet versus 20 bets spread out is not good. It's better to go with the 20 bets spread out.
1: Well, you got to look at commodity trading when I started was done on 5% margin. So if you bet one all your money on 5%, It's very, if you look at the history, it goes 5% a lot. So you want to stay, you must stay alive to win. That means you must keep the capital. That's an unequivocal rule.
0: Doesn't this all require the ability to recognize a good bet? And what is your definition of a good bet?
1: A good bet. It's very simple, where I can win a lot more than I, than I can lose. So I want a ratio of three to four to one. I want to, If I'm risking a dollar, I want to make $4. Well, don't we all? No. Most people, the, most people couldn't tell you where they're going to get out. They couldn't tell you what's going to happen. Forget the facts. They don't even want to prepare for losing.
0: Because they like what they think the company is all about. Correct. They fall in love with the company or or its product. Do you?
1: No. I make sure that I don't love anything. I love that which is good to me.
0: And the minute it's not, you're out. That is good.
1: My job is to ride that row.
0: There's one point in your book called Early Lessons from a Trader Who Never Went to Business School. And the quote is, profit is the residue of what other people are paying you for work you didn't do. Explain. Well,
1: you basically are getting paid I wrote a very simple algorithm. I set the stop, right? And as it goes up, I'm still sitting in the chair. Mm -hmm. But I'm not working. The stop is working. Right? So I get paid for sitting there and riding that Bronco.
0: I just got to stay in the saddle. But you're not a buy and hold forever guy. You say, stay with a winner, but then get out. I mean, how do you know how long? Because Is it just it, when it turns around?
1: When it turns around. Okay. I know by the way it's been acting, I pick a number. I don't pick it. I have, I have, I have a lot of smart people, and I, I, I ran hundreds of years of tests on this.
0: And I looked at the odds. I'm an odds player. You're a, Well, you're a guy who says what I've always believed. I didn't come from a financial background. I came from a local news background covering murders and drug busts and chocolate festivals and whale carcasses off the coast of Rhode Island. <laughs> I, I've covered it all. But when I got into business news, right away I said, this is a casino and uh, you should never bet more than you can afford to lose. But lots of people deny that investing – is gambling. They don't but think it, it
1: is. But, but first of all, when I first got into the first job I they would hire me at, was a brokerage firm. And uh, I was sitting with a client and the, I don't know how it came about, I said, to them, well, this is like a good bet. And Oh, the manager of the office called me in his office. He was out. He says, we don't do bets here. (laughs) And uh, I said. It was a brokerage? (laughs) You know, and I said, hmm, it's fun. Why do do they call the best things blue chips? Do you know where blue chips came from? I do. I looked it up in my derivative. Casino term. Yeah. The most expensive chip in the casino is blue.
0: And this guy's telling you, whoa, don't use the term pet. We're not a casino. Correct. And you ended up amassing lots of money. Not enough. Is it ever enough?
1: (laughs) No. I'm very lucky. I have enough money to give away money and to help people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm, I only wrote the book to A, show my children, I'm trying to get on the best of list, that an ordinary person could do well. And I find that your dreams are a lot more important than your disabilities.
0: I love that your dreams are more important than your disabilities or your limitations. Correct. I want to really kind of end on failure. Most people want to end on success. You brag about your failures. You look at failure almost clinically because you were so used to it, as you said, as a child with a profound disabilities, you felt like a failure. How did you make that work for you?
1: Common sense. Whenever you fail,
0: you have to get up. So failure becomes a friend.: You were trying your best, you said, to be mediocre.: Correct. <laughs> Aim for the middle, Yay. I mean, what do you mean by that?:
1: I mean, I had disabilities that weren't look, I don't have one eye that functions. The yeah, other I, I only have functions and i have a disability so i am not going to be a great baseball player i'm not going to be a good tennis player if you grow up in 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 the where i grew up what were the sports they were ball sports
0: can people be protected from failure and should they be protected from failure no um
1: Failure is how you learn to win. Because that's, it's the losses that teach you what doesn't
0: work. Now I'm going to ask you, can your rule apply to something outside the business world? Can it apply to love? Yes, very much so. How?
1: Because you don't know the day you meet the person. And you probably are gonna have an argument with that person, no matter how well and hot you start off, and you're gonna to have to adapt to that person. The two of you have to make a pact to go on and build a life. Or not. But you have to be very practical and you go into
0: not. Be perfect. Which is how you go into your trades. It's not going to be a pure, pure winner. The minute it turns around, you do lose a little bit of the froth at the top, but you know what to do about it.
1: I'm going to go the other way
0: or do what I have to do. How, oh, I'm surprised you haven't been divorced 58 times.
1: <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm not from California. <laughs>
0: Touché, Larry. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, um No, when I met my wife, I really liked her, loved her as a person.
0: But But back to your trading, you say you can't win if you're not in the game.
1: Depends on which game you want to live. The game of having a relationship is a lot different than the game of getting sex. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, let me then bring it to this. You have found love. You have found money. You have found happiness. In your mind, I want you to go back to the hallways of your high school, the James Madison High School, which, as we said, very famous, successful people have come from this public school in Brooklyn. You are now on the wall of distinction at James Madison High. Would you ever have thought that no. you would be up there? No.
1: No, absolutely not. If it wasn't for a friend of mine who wrote a letter to them because of charity work that he saw me do, I would never I would never have thought of it in a million years.
0: So it was the charity work you did, your philanthropic endeavors that got you up there. Yeah. But it was your success, your self generated success. In the world of Wall Street and trading that got you in a position where you could give it away?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: What would you like people listening to take away from your story?
1: The they, if they can name the goal, if they can name it, they'll be able to claim it. But you got to be able to say it. You got to have a goal. You just can't go into the world without when. Where are you buying a ticket to? If you want to go to Omaha and you're in New York, don't head for Maine.
0: (laughs) Larry Height, what an honor and a pleasure. Larry, of course, is the author of the new book, The Rule, How I Beat the Odds in the Markets and in Life. And how you can, too. Generous to a fault, Larry. Thank you so much for joining us on thank, Everyone thank Talks you to for, Liz.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh, see, I it's really this enjoy kind of, this. Oh, it's just the kind of story I absolutely love to share with you guys out there. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, come watch. You're always uh, invited to join me Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the one, the only, The Clayman Countdown. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time.